Amen? Two, two of us. Amen? Even though it's small, we're still going to get after it. Is that all right? Amen? I'm going to keep saying over and over until you all shout, Amen? Amen? Come on now. This is church. We have the privilege, we have the opportunity to be in God's house tonight. This, is, this isn't something that we have to do. Let me just say that. We don't have to set up all these chairs and these speakers and these sound system and all that stuff. We don't have to do that. We get to do this. There is people all over this world that don't get this opportunity. I promise. So I don't know why you're here tonight. But I can tell you this. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And tonight, we're going to finish off the series called the Wonder Series. Has anybody enjoyed the Wonder Series? It's been good. It's been very good. It speaks to me. It's been challenging me in my walk and my relationship with Jesus. And, you know, as I, I've, I've dissected and read all these miracles that we've gone through in the book of John, I've, to be frank, I've, I've learned stuff that I've never known about Jesus. And I've grown up in the church. I, I thought I knew a lot. But isn't it amazing when you get into this word, you learn something new every day. And that's why I challenge you guys. How are you doing with this? How are you doing with getting in the Word? Well, I don't believe it. It's just a book. If that's what you're reading it from, you're not going to get anything from it. But if you get in this book and you say, you know what, God, it's just simple prayer. Say this, teach me something today. If you just say that before you dive into this, I guarantee you'll learn something. And it'll change you and it'll be powerful. And so tonight we're going to finish up. But before that, i got to do some groundwork. Is that okay? Can, we just, can I just teach tonight? I guess you call me a preacher at times, people say, man, you can preach. I don't know what that means. But tonight I'm going to try to teach. Is that okay? Can I just, can I do that? So, because I, it's funny. You know, I write these messages and I try to hear from God so much. And as I, I, as I dived into this week's message, some things that I was putting to paper that I was trying to hear were like, man, that's, man, that's heavy. That's some serious stuff. This is going to be one of those times where I'm going to just teach because I believe that there's some people in this room tonight that need this, myself included. And so it's okay if I just teach a little bit. We're going to go through the last miracle, raising of Lazarus, but it's called the wonders. It's not over. It's not over. And so as we've gone through these miracles, I promise you, if you haven't seen a miracle in your life, let me just tell you this. There's been a lot of miracles that have come from this. We've seen people saved. We've seen people healed. We've seen things that were stolen, literally, property that was stolen from someone's apartment. We said, you know what, we're going to pray because the same Jesus that was back then that can do miracles today, guess what happened? Weeks later, the property was found, the things that were found. That's amazing. No, salvations are happening. Salvations have happened in this place. I'm going to tell you friends that have come into this place that I've known for a long, long time, a long time, gave their lives over to Jesus. And so tonight, I just want to tie this all in. I want to tie this in with this. Words of Jesus are powerful. Words are powerful. Words are super powerful. And so tonight, I want to just finish this off, but I got to say this. God speaks words. And when God speaks words, he doesn't play games when he speaks words. When God speaks something, He means it. When he says something, he says it for a purpose, a mighty purpose. When he put to pen these words, it was for us to learn. His word, when he speaks it, 
It's full of authority. It's full of truth. It's full of love. It's full of grace. His words are powerful. See, God is all about words. From the very beginning of time, he spoke into creation the things that were here on earth. He said, let there be light. He said, let there be light. He didn't create electrical units, cords, lamps, light bulbs, none of that. He said, light, and there was a light. He speaks words, and things happen. Matthew 24, 35 says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So when he speaks these words, he means them, and they're not going to go away. That's good news. I'm laying some groundwork. Just stay with me for a second. We're going to get there. Is that okay? Words to God are the currency of heaven. You hear what I'm saying? Words, when God speaks, that's the way he does currency. Words are currency from heaven. So what he's saying, he, he says it, and he's going to say, you know what, I'm going to get a deposit on that. I'm going to get return on that. What I say, what I speak is never going to return void. I'm going to get something back from it. So his words are powerful. And what he says Mean it. He speaks in the context of solutions all the time. God doesn't just speak because he wants to just say something to sound cool. He speaks because he's got some solutions for whatever you're going through. He's got solutions to your problems. He's got solutions to your cares. He's got solutions to the things that you've been facing or maybe you've been running from. He's got solutions. So he speaks words. You, as an individual, let me just say this. Maybe someone needs to hear this. You were a word spoken. You were a word spoken. See, you weren't just a product of a relationship, maybe a marriage, or maybe something outside of marriage. You weren't just a product of an encounter between a man and a woman, and you just happened to happen. No, 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 no. No one sneaks into this world. No one sneaks ever into this world. God spoke you into existence. That's how powerful his word is. See, God said, Tony... You're on earth. Bree, you're on earth. Speaks it. And that's how we get in. So his word is amazing. When he speaks the words, when God the Father says something, my ears perk up. I want to know what you want to say, Father. Because your words carry more weight than any words here on earth. Your words are the words I need. Your words are going to be the ones that carry me through this. So I just have to lay some groundwork. Are we with me? Because the words that heaven speaks carry a lot of power. All authority. Everything that he says carry authority. And tonight, before we jump in this miracle, I just needed us to catch this. Because I believe tonight there's there's bondage in this room. There's lies. There's fears. There's anxieties. There's things in this room. Some stuff that you're walking through in this room tonight. And he's going to speak a word that says, let it go. He's speaking a word tonight that says, give it up. Trust me. He's speaking to somebody that says, release the control and let me take over. He's speaking some words tonight. And I believe tonight's going to be powerful. Amen. You with me? All 12 of you, y'all better shout some amens because it's going to be good. Wake up, church. We don't got to be here. We get to be here. So open up your Bibles to John chapter 11. We're going to jump into this. And I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture. Is that okay? Is that all right? John 11. Focus here. We're going to be good. Verses 1 through 6. It's on the screen. It's the death of Lazarus. 
Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, yo, the one you love is sick. (laughs) That's bold. Jesus, just reminding you, in case you were wondering, the one you love, the one you care about, he's sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sisters and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. (laughs) Does anybody else find that funny? This dude, the one that he loved, was sick, and Jesus hangs out for two more days. Crazy. Jesus is crazy. But Father, these are your words. May we learn tonight from it. May we have open ears and open hearts to receive, Father. Do something in this place that we've never seen done. God, speak to us. We trust you. We believe you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See, this story is amazing because this is a friend to Jesus. See, Jesus is approached by two women. A message is sent by two women, I should say, and it says this. It says, hey, Jesus, your homie, the one that you love, he's sick. Now, there's something to be said in that. And at the context of all of this, you guys need to remember this, what I said. The word of Jesus, the words of Jesus will never return void. Say that. They will never return void. Say it. Never return void. Are you with me? Never return void. Say that one more time. Never return void. His words never fail. But see, Jesus is approached. He's doing some Whatever he's doing, he's teaching, he's hanging out, he's doing that stuff. And this message comes to him. It says, hey, the one you love is sick. So obviously there's a relationship there, right? Obviously there's a deep relationship because to use those words, the one you love is only used a couple times in Scripture. To remind Jesus of how much he loves him. So this was Jesus' guy. This was a friend. I mean, this Lazarus dude, the one that's sick, this was his homeboy. Imagine being a friend like that with Jesus growing up. Like, imagine if Lazarus was ever messed with. Yeah, do something to me. Dare you. Yo, JC, come here. Take care of this for me, bro. Can you imagine? Like, being the friend, the literal friend, walking day in and day out, talking, communicating, having that time with Jesus. That's who this guy was. He was a friend. There was a close relationship. How many of you know if, if, if my wife, who's back there with the kids... If she was sick, if I got word that she was sick, something happened or something was going on, let's say she, I got a call saying, you know what, Rachel's in the hospital and you need to come quickly. How many of you know if I didn't show up to that hospital in a matter of seconds, I'm getting my butt whooped by her? Like if I was like, you know what, just give it a couple days. Ha, it's fine, she'll be good. Let her out in two days. I'll be there in two days. How many of you know that wouldn't go over too well? Like, no. I'm rushing to the hospital. I'm getting to wherever she's at. I'm going to be next to her. I'm going to be holding her. I'm going to be praying for her. I'm going to be there because there's that intimate relationship. I would be with the one that I love. But Jesus doesn't do that. Why? Why does Jesus say, chill, give it a couple days? Because this is what he says. 
This is what he says, and this is the basis of this whole message. He says these words. You with me? He said in verse 4, when, you heard, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for, the glory, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. He spoke the word. I don't want to get ahead of myself. This is going to build on it. But listen. So Jesus is there. He's teaching, he's preaching. Message comes to him. Says, yo, Jesus, your homeboy's sick. Jesus goes, this sickness is not unto death. This will be for the glory of God. Can you imagine the messenger's reaction? Um, that's really good. I like that. You're going to come with us, though, right? And Jesus goes, no. See, this sickness is not unto death. It's going to be for my glory. And this guy's going, um, no, you're going to come with me. See, there's a boy that you love. The one that you love is sick. You're going to come with me, right? And Jesus says, nope. The sickness is not unto death. It's going to be for my glory. Jesus, are you missing the point here? This is the one you love. This is your friend. This is your brother. Come quick. He's sick. I'm just the messenger. I'm here to tell you this because you need to come. You need to get there. He's going to die. And Jesus says, the sickness is not unto death, but for my glory. But for my glory. See, we get so impatient. We get so tired. We get so weary. We get worn out. And God's already spoken some things over your life. See, I said at the very beginning what I say. You were a word spoken. You were a word spoken. He didn't make a mistake. He didn't mess up. So his word's in you. What he wants to do is in you. So why, why does Jesus say the sickness will not be unto death? Because, see, this is where my theology gets a little messed up here. Because the next two verses, I told you this is going to be a lot of scriptures. Is this okay? The next two verses, verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there for two more days. See, the sickness will not be unto death. It will be for my glory. Great, Jesus. And these guys leave, and he's like, I'm going to chill here for two more days. That messes with my theology about who God is because how many of us know as Christians we're like, God's got it under control. He'll deal with it. He'll come through. I promise you he'll make it happen. He'll come through. I've said that to people. Two days? Jesus, two, two days. Jesus, you know. You know he's sick. Jesus, you know he's hurting. Jesus, you know he's in pain. It's all right. Jesus says, this will be for my glory. My word's gone forth. My word has gone forth. So tonight, I just want to share three things, three principles that I take from this story. Because this is amazing. This is a miracle. Like, this is the miracle, some say, that John wrote. This was like the mega miracle. Raising someone that was dead to life was a big deal. But there's some things there. Remember what I said? It's not the miracle itself. It's all the stuff surrounding the miracle that we need to catch. And I caught some things this week. It's amazing. The first is this. We need to worship in the middle, knowing it's not over. We need to worship in the middle. So Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death. It's going to be for my glory. Great. They leave. And now he says to his disciples, hey, in verse 11, he says, Jesus says to the 12, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him. The sickness will not be unto death. It's for my glory. Now Lazarus is asleep. And then guess what verse 14 says? Uh, so then he plain, plainly told them, Lazarus is dead. 
The sickness will not be unto death. He's asleep. He gone. He gone. Jesus is saying this. He gone. He's dead. He's done. That's crazy. Right? See, that's nuts. But the problem is, is that he wasn't dead yet. He wasn't gone. Jesus' word had gone forth. And so what I get from this, what I learned from this is that, man, sometimes we get the promises of God. We get the promises in our hearts, and it's easy to lift our hands in worship. It's easy to praise God when I know, man, you are good and you are worthy to be praised. Man, you're going to take me from here to there. I trust you. You've given me that word in my heart. You're going to take me to be the best student, open up a new business idea, whatever the case may be. I got the promise. I got it. I got it. I can praise you all day long. But guess what happens? The process hits. And we're like, uh-uh. I don't like this process. See, I, I can praise you at the beginning of the promise, and I can praise you when the promise comes to pass. But that middle stuff, I ain't about that life. See, I ain't about this patience. I ain't about this waiting. I, 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 uh. You're going to try to remold me, shape me, teach me something in this process in the middle? I ain't about it. Because it's easy, right? It's super easy to praise God at the beginning. It's super easy to praise God at the end, but it's not that easy to worship in the middle. But that's where the stuff starts to happen. That's where the growth happens. That's where the miracles start to take form. That's where they start to shape. See, we don't want the process, but we want the promise. Because today in this culture we live in, we want insta-famous, insta-now, instant right here, right now. It's crazy. I'm the same way. I become impatient. I become weary. I don't think God's in this. I don't think I can trust him any longer. The promises that he said to me about maybe even this church, about my marriage, about where we're going, it hasn't come to pass yet. It hasn't happened. See, God, I was proclaiming your message. I was proclaiming your truth. I was doing all that stuff in the beginning. The promise isn't here yet. So you know what? I'm just going to step back because it hasn't come yet. See, Jesus said the sickness will not be unto death. He's asleep. He's gone. There's verses in between. I just wonder what happens in between there for people. See, if Jesus spoke a word, a promise, and now he's over here, what's this middle happening? What's going on in your life that he's promised you something? That he's spoken a word to your heart? That you've received something? That you've journaled something out? And you said, you know what? I know the promises that God said to me, but they haven't come to pass yet. Maybe it's because you're not praising him in the middle. Maybe it's because you're not worshiping him in the middle. See, if we could just become a church, a people, that says, you know what? I don't know what God's doing. Remember last week, we always want the why? I don't know what God's doing. I don't know what he's, what he's up to. Because see, as a disciple sitting there, the disciples knew who Lazarus was. They knew who he was. Can you imagine sitting there in the 12, the circle? Like, Jesus just spoke a word, Lazarus, sleep. he's dead. Jesus, where are you? Jesus, what are you doing? Jesus, I can't feel you. I can't sense you. You don't love me. Things in my life aren't going the way I had planned. Where are you? I can just imagine it. I'd probably be with him. But that's us all the time. When it doesn't pan out, when it doesn't work out, when it doesn't go the way we thought it would go, but we had a promise, we start to back up and back off. Mm-mm. We start to worship with a little attitude. See, we can lift our hands, by your spirit, I come alive, amen, amen. But you're like, mm-hmm, yep, don't answer my prayer, thanks, that's cool, God. I'll just keep lifting my hands within a little attitude because I just trust you. When are you going to come through, God? When are you going to do that? 
Instead of saying, you know what? It's not my timing. It's not my plan. It's not my future. It's your plan through me. It's your future in me. So you know what? I'm going to lift my hands in worship, trusting in the middle. I'm going to lift my hands in worship, trusting that you're going to do great and mighty things. I'm going to lift my hands, worshiping you, saying, you know what, God, I desire you. I need you. I trust you. I may not be where I'm supposed to be, but I know you're taking me where I'm supposed to go. See, we give up in the middle. We don't trust God in the middle. But I just believe if we just catch this, because all these miracles we've talked about, they surround some great things. But if we just trust God in the middle of what he's doing, you may have the miracle right about to happen. But maybe we're withholding God's might because we ain't giving him praise in the middle. Why does the miracles happen in my life, JP? Well, what are you doing? It's not your relationship and your power, but what are you doing? You withholding praise from the one that it's due to? Because it hasn't come to you yet? Wrong on me, Jay. Wrong on me if I ever do that. Wrong on me. I want us to worship in the middle. Is this encouraging you? Second thing tonight. We worship in surrender, knowing it's not over. See, I'm going to read a little bit of scripture here. Kind of a lot. So follow it on the screen because this is important. This is valuable. See, we fast forward. So Jesus is on his way because he made the decision to his disciples. He's gone. He's dead. We got to go. We got to go. Knowing full well his word is already there. His word was already there. But he's like, you know what? I'm still going to go because my people need another reminder. They need to see it tangibly again. Again. Here we go. Let me just go. So it says this in verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Four days now. Four days this dude gone. Not two. We go to four now. We just double. Four days. He's dead. Gone. See ya. Four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Mary had an attitude problem. Mary had a little attitude. Mm-mm. Jesus coming. He ain't come two days ago, four days ago. Mm-mm. I ain't going out there now. Martha had a look at her probably like, yo, sis, I'm going with or without you. Mar- Martha's like, I'm out. Mary had an attitude problem. Just saying. I read it this way. Sorry, this is how the scripture comes alive to me. You're like, what is he saying? It says Mary stayed at home. Jesus is coming, the savior of the world, the king, the healer, all that. He's coming, and Mary stays home because she didn't know how to worship in the middle. She stayed home because she didn't know how to worship in the middle. Martha knew. Let me continue. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now... Martha had the faith even then, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, you're missing it, honey. You're missing it. You're missing the point. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, and even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into this world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. <laughs> you know how Mary, you know I picture this in my head. Martha runs to her and says, Mary, get up. Jesus wants to see you. She was like, mm-hmm, I knew he'd call me. 
Mary Beth, like, I'll, I'll go see him now. I'm over my little attitude problem. I'll go check this dude out. He wants to talk to me. I'll go see him. That's how I pictured it. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I knew he'd come calling. I knew he'd call for me. Yeah, let me go talk to him for a second. Let me go make sure he knows how I'm feeling about this whole situation. When Mary heard that she got up quickly and went to him, now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at her feet. That's why I focus on that. She fell at her feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if your promises would have just happened like this, I wouldn't have to be sitting here for four days wondering. Lord, if you just would have come through the way I've known you to come through, I wouldn't have to be begging for you on my knees. Lord, if you just would have done what you promised me you would do, I wouldn't have to be here right now. Does that resonate with anybody? Lord, if you just would have been that way, if you would have just protected my family this way, if you wouldn't have done this in my life or that, this or that, I wouldn't have to be here. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and trouble. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. See, these are her brothers. Her, that's her brother, Mary Martha. That's the one that's dead, Lazarus. Those were his sisters, his family. Remember, Jesus loved him. That was the one Jesus loved. But see, you know what's crazy about this? And I caught it this week. First time catching it ever. See, Martha runs out. Martha must have had some revelation in her heart that says, because she says, you're still the God and whatever you, got, whatever you ask God, he will do. So she must have been worshiping in the middle. She must have had the wherewithal to say, you know what? My brother's dead. He's not here with us, but you're still good. I still love you. I still trust you. And even right now, you're still God and whatever you ask God, he will do. She worshiped in the middle. But see, Mary, this is what I love. See, Mary in the, in the original language, what it means is rebellion. Mary, the name Mary means rebellion. So Mary had an attitude. Like, uh-uh. I ain't getting up to go see him. He failed me. He messed with me. He didn't give me what I wanted. He didn't provide that spouse, that boyfriend, that girlfriend. He didn't give me that job. He didn't heal my mother and my father from being sick. I don't trust him. He didn't heal my marriage. He didn't restore my life. I don't trust him. I'm sitting here. And Jesus calls for her. Jesus calls for her. Says, Martha, send your sister. I want to talk with her. Why? Because he's not done pursuing people. He's never done pursuing people. So he says, get her over here. I want to see her. So Mary steps up with a little attitude and runs out to him. But how many of you know when we get face to face with the glory of Jesus, we can't do anything else but fall to our knees. See, rebellion fell at that moment. Rebellion kneeled down. Rebellion said, hey, listen, I'm going down to my knees to the one that can save. I'm going to go and lay before the Father, the King, the ruler, the one that can heal. I'm going to sit at his feet and I'm going to worship him. See, we can't worship in the middle, but Lord knows when we put down our rebellion, a.k.a. our surrender, we start to know in our heart of hearts that it's not over yet. See, we start to know because in that moment when she kneeled down and started worshiping, 
Remember, the word had already been spoken. The word had already gone forth. She kneeled down. She started saying, he's gone. I'm broken. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. And Jesus had compassion on her. This is making sense. He had compassion on her and he moved on her behalf because you know what? Surrender came. Surrender came. Surrender came and kneeled down and said, you know what? I don't know why. I don't know why you didn't come sooner. I don't know why you had to take four days. What's your deal? I don't get it. I don't understand it. But you know what? I'm going to praise you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to get on my knees before the King of Kings. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to glorify you. So maybe there's some people in the room tonight that need to get on your knees. You need to start to say, you know what, I'm not where I should be. I'm in this middle ground. I'm just waiting. You know what, I'm just going to surrender. I'm going to surrender my plans. I'm going to surrender what I think. I'm going to surrender what I need. And I'm going to go after what you think, what you know I need. Because surrender's got to lay down. And it laid down in that moment. And when rebellion falls, the promise of the word that became so much clearer. See, Jesus saw rebellion. He had compassion on it. And guess what it says? He wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. But it's profound. Why do you think they put it in there? Why do you think that's in there? Jesus wept. I don't know, maybe my theology, maybe I don't know scripture that much, but there's not other times that we read about Jesus weeping. Anybody else? Am I off on this? You're making sense. Jesus wept because rebellion and surrender weighed down. You know what Jesus does when you say, you know what, I'm done? He starts to weep. He says, I can meet that person. I can get with that person. I can go down there and meet with that person one-on-one and take that person to where they need to be. Surrender laid down. And the last thing is this, and Jordan can come up. This is encouraging you. We worship knowing the grave has been spoken for. Verse 38 through 44 says this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been dead there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that I have heard you. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, yo, take off those grave clothes and let him go. See, when we worship in the middle, when we surrender, the grave spoken for. The word went. Jesus shows up because he tells him, he says, I want you to see. I want you to see. Lazarus, come here. Come out. He already spoke it. The moment he said, this will not be for anything else but my glory, that word went to that tomb, that cave, and that word sat in that cave. It didn't go to him right away when he was sick there for two days. It didn't go to Lazarus in his bed. It went to the cave, the ending point, because the promises of God never fail. So it was spoken, it went and sat in that cave, it rang around in that cave, and it hit Lazarus when it was supposed to. The promise came true. The promise came true. 
Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And you can imagine the look. The look of people. He was dead four days. He was dead four days, Jesus. How is this possible? You know, we as Christians sometimes look at people like that. Can I just be real? See, we see people, and we're like, no way, God, no way. You can't change that person. You can't do anything in that person. You can't reform that person. You can't do anything in that person. That person's messed up. That person's got nothing. He's got bondage. She's got bondage. You can't do anything. You know what Jesus says? When I speak my words, things start to change. These are my children. Come out. Wake up. Come. Come out. Wake up. Come. The grave's been spoken for. You don't have to live in there anymore. You don't have to live in that anymore. My promises are for you, never against you. You're not the tail, you're the head. You're a child of the king. You have the mind of Christ. You have the kingdom behind you, pushing you forward, saying, go, my child, go, my child. Go into what I promised. But you know what? When we're doing that, we're going to worship in the middle. We're going to surrender in the middle. We're going to say, Jesus, I know I'm not where I should be yet, but I'm going to praise you where I'm at right now. See, it all comes back to worship. It all comes back to a heart posture. See, the miracles are cool. They're awesome. Man, if I was there, I'd be like, what in the world did I just see? A dead guy, four days, walks out of a tomb. But you know what? We can still see it now today. But it's a heart posture. It's a heart posture. Do we want to worship? Or do we just want to talk about it, what God's not doing? Do we want to surrender or keep fighting? Or do we want to know and hold on to the promise that the grave close, your life, has been spoken for? It's simple. You just call upon him. And he'll release heaven. He'll make sure that you know the promises that he's for you and never against you. He'll give you a life and a life abundant, an eternal life, a promise that there's more to come. Things are waiting for you. Promises are waiting for you for a bright hope, a bright future. Because he that began a good work in you, the word says, he that began a work in you is faithful to carry it out into completion. The wonders are still happening. It's a heart posture, though. You want to see him? Worship him. You're not where you're supposed to be? Worship him. You're fighting some things in your life, some bondage, some shame, some addictions? Worship him. Lay down. Get on your knees. And I promise you, you will see that your grave has been spoken for. The grave has been spoken for. Those clothes are going to fall off you. Those things are going to fall off you. They're going to start falling off. You're going to be better each and every day. You're going to step into the future that God has for you. Amen, church? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, tonight, we thank you. We praise you. We bless you. God, tonight we know that you have spoken things into our lives, some promises into our heart. God, that we can rest assured that you're still working, you're still moving. And so, Father, tonight I pray for each and every individual in this room, God. God, I pray that they just know your presence, your love, that you've already spoken for them. God, from the beginning of time when you created them, you spoke for them. God, you love them. You care for them. You died for them. You rose again three days later for them. So, Father, tonight, I pray, God, that you just remind your children 
that you're still doing miracles today. You're still working today. You're still doing more than they can see today, God. And so, Father, we're going to give you praise. We're going to honor you. We're going to bless you in the middle. We're going to surrender our lives to you daily, saying it's not my will, it's not my agenda, but it's your will being done in my life. So, Father, tonight, for those that don't know you, those that have fought you, have haven't surrendered, tonight, Father, I pray right now that you speak to them, that you stir in their hearts, Father, love and grace that you have for them. Oh, God, I pray that tonight we'll see grave clothes fall off of some people in this room tonight. God, addictions and bondage and all those things that people are struggling with, insecurities, pride, lust, anger, resentment, whatever they may be carrying, God, you've spoken for it. I pray tonight, God, that you reach them, that your love gravitates towards them. Father, they will open up the door. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to close here tonight with this. If you're in this room, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you need to lay the grave clothes off, you need to take them off, you need to put the linens and the things on that he's called you to do, the things and the plans and purposes he's called you to do, maybe better yet, you need to receive his love for the very first time. On the count of three, I just want you to slip your hand up. This is a decision. This is a statement. This is putting a stake in the ground saying, no longer am I going to keep going back to that tomb, that cave where the stone was up against it. I don't want to keep going back to the old life. I don't want to keep stopping worship when you, I know, Father, you've promised me so much. I don't want to keep fighting you. I want to just surrender because I know there's freedom in surrendering. So if that's you in this room today, on the count of three, just slip your hand up. No one's looking. No one's wondering. But one, he loves you. Two, he died for you. Three, he wants you to come back home tonight. If you're in this room tonight, slip your hand up right now. Amen. 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 Jesus, I pray that you reach each and every person here, God. Father, those that lifted their hands, God, I pray that you remind them tonight that you love them, that you care for them, that you died for them, that you are working on behalf of them, God. Father, I pray that they will receive your love daily, that you'll clothe them with righteousness and peace and truth. Father, I just pray that you just clothe all of us, God, in your grace and your mercy. God, that we will surrender our lives to you, that we will trust you, we will know, God, that you're doing great and mighty things. So, Father, be with us tonight. God, we know that you're the resurrecting king. We know, God, that your spirit makes us come to life. Father, it's through you that we live and we breathe and we have our being. So, God, I pray that you wake up people each and every day, God, and that you pour out your love, you pour out your truth, you pour out your grace so that no one will go back to that tomb. No one will go back to that bondage and shame. God, we declare you are good and you are worthy to be praised. So, Jesus, tonight, go before each and every one. We bless your name. We honor your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask. And we say all this together in agreement. And everybody says, amen, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing this one tonight.